Hi, this is Greg Steer on the Gospelize uh, podcast. I'm here with Lee Strobel. Yes, that Lee Strobel, <laughs> award-winning uh, former, was it legal? Yeah, legal editor. editor. Yeah. For the Chicago Tribune, atheist turned Christian, um, case for Christ. We can go on and on and on. Now the, the case, making the case for Christ, how to share your faith. Yeah, the case for miracles. Case for miracles. Yeah. Uh, and... Great movie, The Case for Christ. Thanks. Which still on Netflix for free. Still on Netflix for free. And I got a bunch of them to hand out to neighbors and people I know who still haven't put their faith in Christ because it, it may be the greatest gospel track since the book of John. It is it is a great way to be able to share the gospel of Christ. So thank you. You, for, you know, it's a nice um, outreach, cheap outreach event for yes. youth ministries to do, to just yeah. have a movie night, show the movie. We did it in Memphis, Tennessee. We expected a thousand people to show up. Four thousand people showed up. Oh my goodness. I know. It was blew our minds. And here's the, the crazy thing about it is it's it's actually a good Christian movie. <laughs> you seem shocked. <laughs> I, you know, I always cheer for these movies yeah. to be good. And I, I'm like, come on, come on. I hurt for them. Like, Please be good. And it was one of those movies I didn't have to qualify. That was good mm. for a faith-based movie. Yeah. I was like, that was a good movie. Thanks. Got a, didn't Thanks. it get an A-plus cinema score? It did, cinema score, which is, that's a secular organization. Yeah. It was only about two movies a year get an A-plus, and we got an A-plus. And I think the Rotten Tomato score was pretty high. It too, was, yeah, very high. Which is really good, because there's not a lot of evangelical <laughs> Christians that are movie critics. but We had, uh, they showed it in, in um, New Zealand. A church rented a movie theater, showed it, and 22 people came to faith. Wow. Right there. Yeah. So it's a natural to show and then to get up and say, hey, you just heard the gospel. What are you going to do with it? And, you know, if you haven't seen uh, The Case for Christ, what what really is surprising is it is a very, I mean, it's an emotional movie. Mm, I think it's more of a love story with apologetics than the PS. That's that's a good way to look at it, really. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of ties in with, I think, evangelism in this current culture. Yeah. That, that we have to bring that love story of the gospel along with the apologetics. Yeah, that's right. You know? That's right. It's, you know, it's not like the 1960s or 1950s where apologetics was lining up people against a wall and machine gunning them with facts. Yeah. I mean, that's not effective today. I think a story um, helps bring it alive. And, of course, we have the story of the gospel to yep. bring it alive, but also individual stories and uh, how they can kind of pull people in and then... Um, you know, I tell my story and I tell about the evidence I found convincing mm-hmm. and so forth. But, um, you know, Jay Warner Wallace, who, mm-hmm. who you probably know, uh, former cold case homicide investigator, atheist who became a Christian using his detective skills in mm-hmm. investigating scripture, um, said recently that, apolo- that evangelism in the 21st century is spelled apologetics. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's I'd qualify that by saying, number one, I think he's being a little little bit of hyperbole there yeah. to make a point. But also, apologetics today, especially with young people, is not, it's, it's a different world. You know, if you look at it, here's a way, when I'm talking to youth leaders, yeah. I, I talk about Acts 17. Mm. So at the beginning of Acts 17, Paul is like, open up your scrolls to Isaiah 53, because yeah. he's preaching in a synagogue. Yeah. But when he's with the men of the Areopagus, yeah, he's, he tells a story. Right. He still uses apologetics. Right. When he says he's given proof to this. Yeah. By raising Jesus from the dead. So yeah. instead of it being the opening line like in the seventies, yeah. it's it's the love letter of the gospel with the PS it's all true. Yeah, that's and right. And by know. the way, yeah, yeah. That, by the way, it's true. I think it's it's where we today we do more listening than talking. 
We ask more questions than make dogmatic statements. Mm. We respect people as being on a journey. That's okay to be on a journey. Yeah. They may not be as far as we are, but that's okay. They're not the enemy. The question, to, to not be afraid of questions, mm. um, to validate them as people who matter to God. Mm. Uh, a non-believer, an atheist, is not our enemy. Yeah. Uh, our enemy is Satan. Um, you know, the, the agnostic, the atheist are people who God loves. Yeah. And so um, I think it's a different mindset. It's more conversational. It's mm. more relational. It's conversation that may extend over a number of encounters and, and periods of time. But I think with those, you know, qualifying the description of apologetics with that kind of language, I think people go, okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a, a relationship, a friendship, and through that, be able to communicate why it is we believe what we believe. Well, it's kind of this, I mean, in some ways that reflects the, the journey of you and Leslie. Yeah. Because you guys were married. She became a believer, right? right. Was it at That's Willow right. Creek? Like, it, 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 in the early years? Well, it was a, a woman she met who was a Christian nurse okay. who had a child the same age as our daughter. They became best friends, uh, Leslie and Linda. In the movie, uh, she has a different name, Alfie, but I don't know why they changed her name. But um, And so they became best friends. And interestingly, Linda went to a Bible church. That was her church. But she realized, I can't bring Leslie to this church. Hmm. It's a little too far downstream for yeah, her, you know. Yeah. It'll be alien territory. But she heard about this new church, Willow Creek, that was meeting in a movie theater. Which and, actually, if I remember right, yeah. started as a as a youth ministry. It did, that's right. Absolutely. And then and then turned into kind of this thriving church. Which Absolutely. by the way, youth leaders, it's just kind of cool on a side note that a lot of the great movements in the church have started as youth ministry movements exactly. that spread into the same And area. I'll add similar to that, um a lot of the great preachers started as youth pastors. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you look at Rick Warren yeah. and others and, and who are really effective communicators. They didn't learn that out of a book. Yeah. They, it was in the trenches of student ministry. Well, here's the difference. What I tell people is I said, you know, the uh, difference between preaching to adults and preaching to teens yeah. is you know when you lose the teens. <laughs> yeah. Right? The adults will just keep their they'll, they'll pretend. Their heads. They'll pretend yeah. like they're interested. <laughs> Teens will just start, you know, getting up and walking Instagrams, out, walk out, talk to each other. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so in the midst of this, she comes to Christ. Yes. And then, in a very relational way, yeah, um, begins working on you. She did. She started uh, praying um, Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. It's mm. moreover, I'll give you a new heart. Put a new spirit within you. I remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So that is in the movie. That is in the movie. And again and again. Yes, yeah, she prayed that for two years. Mm. And uh, so she's praying behind the scenes. She took a risk one day um, when she invited me to go to church. Because I was not just an atheist. I was a belligerent atheist. Mm. Uh, at one point, um, I got so mad that she had been going to church that I kicked a hole through our living room wall. Wow. Um, so she was taking, she didn't know what to expect when she invited me to church, but I went partially to kind of rescue her from this cult, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, uh, but interestingly I go and, and the sermon that day was on the topic, basic Christianity. Wow. And it was a basic introduction to Christianity. And here I was almost 30 years old, grew up in Chicago. You'd think I would have heard the gospel. You'd think I would know what Christianity was. That's the first time I understood the gospel message. I didn't believe it, but at least I understood so it. So I think this is another great point because, I mean, how many people now have not 
students as yeah. well as adults have yeah. really have never heard oh, the gospel. So many, far more than we think. Yeah. You know, we think, of course, there's the background noise of our culture is quote unquote Christian. I mean, there's, but it's not true. I mean, people get a distorted gospel. Usually yeah. it's a works oriented yep. gospel. Uh, it's mixed in with some Eastern religion philosophy of karma, reincarnation yeah. or whatever. It's a mess. Mm -hmm. and, and so people, I mean, here as 30 years old, and for the first time, I remember the light bulb going off. Mm. Oh, I get it. Mm. I don't believe it, but at least I get it. I understand what they're saying. And the key to me now was... Now you, you know what you disagree with. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, to me, the key was, because I had heard Jesus died for your sins. Jesus, died. What does that mean? How do you die for someone's sins? But when I heard about the substitutionary atonement, when I heard that, oh, Jesus died as my substitute to pay for the sins that I have committed, and he offers forgiveness and eternal life as a free gift of his grace. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Um, so I, I think there's lots of folks out there who so, are in a state of confusion. So really quick before we dive into yeah. some apologetics, youth leaders, it's so important to give your teenagers what, what I call gospel fluency. Mm. What is the story of the gospel? That's why at Dare to Share, we use this gospel acrostic, G-O-S-P-E-L, God created us to be with him, Genesis 1 and 2, oh, our sins separate us from God, Genesis 3, sins cannot be removed by good deeds, Genesis 4 through Malachi 4, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, E, everyone who trusts in him alone is eternal life, the book of John, and then L, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever, Acts of Revelation. So the whole story of the gospel, and you don't have to use that to tell the whole story of the gospel, but have some way to tell the meta narrative of the gospel and get your kids to know it and memorize it so they can articulate it. And, and when they can do that, then their friends you know, may accept it right away or they may be stubborn yeah. like Lee yeah. and go on a go on a you know, to your investigation. To your but investigation. The, the average person in America hears the gospel six times mm. before they come to faith. So maybe it's one time clearly. Maybe it's right. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a problem. But you know, the other tool, I mean, it's a great tool that you just offered. Uh, the one that brought me across the line of faith, mm. and I use this a lot in my evangelism, yeah. is John 1.12. Yeah. Uh, but as many as received Again, him, in it's movie. in the movie, it's great. very crystal clear. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And that the equation there, believe plus receive yeah. equals become. So I think a lot of people get the believe part. Oh, okay, I, okay, yeah, okay, I believe that. But there's never been a point in time where they have repented of their sin, received forgiveness <clears throat> through Christ, and become a child of God. So when you look at like the way I... I look at the word believe in, in the Greek pistuo, yeah. which means trust. Yeah. It kind of is that believe plus receive. Yes. Because it's not just intellectual assent. Yeah. It's like you and I That's are right. sitting in chairs. That's right. But we trusted, we sat down. Yeah. And uh, I heard a definition one time of repent, which I thought was good because a lot of times it's people that share it's a 180 degree turn mm. from sin. I'm like, well, we can't do that until right. we come to Christ. But a guy named Doug Holliday, who leads Sun Life, said, Repentance is a change of mind about sin, self, and Savior. Mm. Sin, and that it's a barrier between us and a holy God. Self, is there's nothing I can do to remove that barrier. And Savior, 
Christ is the only one qualified. Yeah, that's good. And when you use it that way, then almost repent and trust, believe and yes. receive, they're really the same thing. Right, you know? right. I think in, in terms of the Greek, it's it's probably not technically possible to believe but not receive. Yeah. Because trust is, is is embedded in that. Yeah, but we're we putting kind of our weight break, on it. Yeah, yeah. we're putting our weight, but we kind of break it apart. Yeah. Because in America, In America, because I we believe get the... believe that's exactly. a chair. We'll sit in it. Yes, know? that's right, that's right. And so many people will say, well, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, but... but they trusted they him. haven't trusted him. Their life hasn't changed. So, so when you okay, so you you hear this message, you go on this on this investigative yeah. research, and you watch. The, if you haven't watched the movie, I'm just telling you, I'm a movie geek. <laughs> I love good movies. I hate bad ones. I just stop watching them. Um, one of my best friends growing up is now a Hollywood director. Huh. So we just we were born and raised wow. watching movies, um, but. Uh, it is a great movie, and the study of mm. of the crucifixion and the resurrection yeah. and the claims of Christ yeah. is just so good. Mm. I mean, and that that journey of discovery yeah. when you put your faith in Christ. Right. Um, let me let me just let me just ask you this: What was it that finally, on an evidential level, mm -hmm. was the turning point? Yeah, for me, you know, I looked at the philosophical issues, the moral argument, and so forth. I looked at science, cosmology, physics, biochemistry, genetics, human consciousness. But what really was the key for me was the resurrection, mm. because even as an atheist, I I recognize that that's the ball game. The Apostle Paul says, you know, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still yeah. in your sins. It's everything. So I really focused in on that because I, as a, someone trained in journalism and law, at least the resurrection is not some ethereal philosophical issue. We're talking about hard facts of history, things we can touch and so forth. So I really focused in on that. And there were four things that convinced me it was true. Number one, the execution of Jesus. They all begin with the letter E, by the way, so that makes it easy Yay. to remember. So like Easter begins with E, so yep. there are four Perfect. E's. So uh, this is a good way to summarize the evidence. Execution, that Jesus was dead. Some people think, oh, he must have survived the crucifixion. Mm. There is no evidence anywhere of anybody ever surviving a full Roman crucifixion. Mm. Even the Journal of the American Medical Association investigated the historical and medical evidence and said the evidence is clear that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Mm. Even the atheist historian, Gerd Ludemann, says that it is uh, historically indisputable that mm. Jesus was dead. So first we have a, a death, an execution. Jesus is dead. It, I mean, they, w they weren't new at this. this no, they were very good at it. Crucify 6,000 people in oh, one day. Oh, yeah, they, I mean, thousands were, yeah. Were, were crucified. Yeah. Uh, second uh, E is for early accounts. Mm -hmm. That we have a report of the resurrection that goes right back to the scene virtually. In other words, a lot of people think, oh, there's a big gap between the death of Jesus and 100 years later a legend develops that he rose from the dead. Yeah. What we have in 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 3, is a creed of the earliest Christian church. Pre-Pauline creed. Pre-Pauline creed. It goes back, and this says Jesus died. Why? For our sins, he was buried. Third day, he rose from the dead. Then it mentions specifics, eyewitnesses and groups of eyewitnesses to whom he appeared. We can date that creed. It, is, it dates back to within one to six years after the death of Jesus. So here's what's interesting. And I'll mention yeah, this. Uh, James D.G. Dunn, the great scholar in this area, says we can be entirely certain that that creed was formulated within months of Jesus' death. So here's what's interesting to me. Um, it's a pre-Pauline creed yeah. that he had memorized. Right. Somebody had trained him in. Right. They assumed it was trained, and, and he trains the Corinthians. Yes. 
He has them memorize it. Yes. So I, to be honest with you, when I go back to that gospel acrostic mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. use, I kind of use that idea as a hey, get the gospel down. Yes. It's okay to memorize. It's Absolutely. Like, it's like learning chords on a guitar. Yes. Then you can play the music. Yes. Right? Yes. So get that gospel down, but right in the epicenter of the original creed yeah. is the resurrection. The resurrection. That's Within the message. Months. Within months, which mm. is... Staggering. I mean, yeah. historically, that is just amazing. That's a news flash yeah. from ancient history. Really cool. So we got execution. We had early accounts. Then we have an empty tomb. Mm-hmm. Now, some skeptics, like Barrett Ehrman, the former um, evangelicals, now an agnostic scholar, says, "Oh well, I'll tell you why the tomb was empty." By the way, everybody admits it was empty. So why did it get empty? Well, the body was never in it. Because mm-hmm. he said, "Don't you know they didn't? They didn't bury crucifixion victims. They threw the bodies of the dogs, be eaten by the dogs, and." Um, um, the Roman policy was not to release crucifixion victims' bodies for anybody to bury them. Well, there's two problems with that. Number one, archaeology. We have recovered bodies of crucifixion victims, Hmm. still with the spike through their heel bone and a bit of the olive wood of the cross attached. Hmm. Two archaeological discoveries of crucifixion victims have been buried, so we know that some were. Hmm. Secondly, the Roman Digesta, which was a summary of the procedures of the, Greek, of the Roman Empire, hmm. specifically says that you can release uh, execution victims to next of kin to be buried. Wow. So, and, and what's more, we can go into more detail, but Pilate would have been motivated to have done that. He wasn't going to leave the bodies in the cross over Passover and cause a riot mm-hmm. in Jerusalem because that would have defiled the land. So um, so we have an empty tomb. By the way, even the opponents of Jesus admitted the tomb was empty because mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to explain how it got empty. Oh, the disciples stole the body. Yeah. So they're admitting it was empty, but then disciples didn't have the motive, the means, or the opportunity to steal mm-hmm. the body. And then finally, eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. In ancient history, we're lucky if we have one or two sources to confirm a fact. But for the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus, we have no fewer than nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament hmm. confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the risen Christ. And that wasn't a popular opinion to no, have at the time. So no. they're confirming and corroborating at the peril at of their, their peril. life. Well, we have seven ancient sources, six of them outside the Bible, confirming that the disciples live lives of deprivation and suffering as a result of their proclamation. Yeah. So there was no, they weren't going to get a nice house on the Mediterranean yeah. you know, by going around saying Jesus had risen. They were going to get beaten up and put to death. Huh. Uh, so they, they were certainly not motivated to, to lie about this. So those are the four? Yeah. You, let me tell you, what's really cool about this is if you... You're basically saying if you can boil down to one evidence yeah. Yeah. of Christianity, yeah. the resurrection. Yes. So to tell youth leaders, and if you're going to really lean in, you don't have to become an apologetics expert. Focus on that. You need to become a resurrection You know expert. what? I, sometimes, Greg, uh, some, some atheists will challenge me with an objection to Christianity. Mm. And it'll be something about, well, golly, um, what about the Canaanites and, and how God ordered their destruction? And, so, and I'll look at him and I'll say, so, are you saying that Jesus didn't rise from the dead? And they go, no, I wasn't talking about that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's really the issue, isn't it? <laughs> that's really the issue. It goes back to that. Hmm. I keep bringing it back to that because not only did, G- did God raise Jesus from the dead, but he has left us incredible historical evidence for this. So we ought to take advantage of that. In fact, I just came out with a four-week um, video-driven study 
um, small group study called The Case for Easter. Hmm. And uh, it's, it, it teaches in depth what the evidence is. Hmm. And I have that little booklet uh, called The Case for Easter, which you can get for a buck hmm. on, on, at CBD and certain booksellers online. I give them away all the time. Yeah. I just had two boxes delivered to my house because I, I'll leave them with a nice yeah. tip for a waiter or I'll, I'll give them away everywhere because it's, it's the summary of the key moment of Christianity, the resurrection of Jesus. That is awesome. And I think just looking for simple ways for teenagers to be able to share their faith, yeah. you know, there you go. Case yeah, for it's Easter. a buck. And everybody talks about Easter, even if they don't believe in the resurrection. Exactly. They believe in Easter Bunny, yeah. and you can you know, start there and take them to the empty That's tent, right. You know? if, if so, and if somebody's going to come to church or come to a youth group, it's probably going to be Christmas or it's going to be around Easter. Yeah. Because that's when a non-believer kind of feels like, okay, something going on in the culture here. I can't quite put my finger on it, but yeah, maybe I'll check this out. You know, this is really good, because I, I, I really feel like, well, Barna says that this is the first po- generation Z, the first post-Christian generation mm-hmm. in the history of the United States, yeah. which is really scary. Yeah. So we have a case for gospel fluency, and we have a case. We need to make a case for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And if our kids are armed with fluent urgency, they got to be motivated. Yeah. Fluency and really understanding of the resurrection. Yeah. The, one of the ways that we, we train teens is, I just call it fruit tree apologetics. Yeah. So the roots, kind of the pre-theoretical worldview, you know, why, why do you think you're, you know, believe what you believe? Yeah. And then I ask the question, what's the trunk? What's the one mm. thing, if the tree falls down, the whole thing falls down? Yeah. And I think for Christianity, it's, yeah. it's the resurrection of Christ. Right, right. And then the fruit, the branches and everything else that kind of yeah. comes off that. But it really does, I mean, that is the one thing yeah. that they need to know. It is. So we focus in on that. And, and um, boy, I've seen so many people come to faith as a result of that. That's um, awesome. Oh, my gosh. It, you know, when I speak at, at churches or, uh, you know, I just, I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I say, I tell my testimony and I include the four E's. So I say, I used to be an atheist. This is how it affected my life. This is how I lived as a result of that. My wife became a Christian. I set out to disprove Christianity. Here's what I learned about the resurrection of Jesus. Here's how I reached my verdict that it's true. Here's how I received Jesus, John 1.12, as my forgiver and leader. Here's And I became a Christian. Here's how my life has changed as a result. I mean, it, it's just my testimony, yeah. but I insert kind of the evidence. Yes. And uh, God uses it. So one final question. Um, what one thing would you say uh, to encourage youth leaders mm. in really reaching out to this current generation yeah. of teenagers? You know, uh, uh, Dave Kinneman did some research on why some young people are leaving the church. Mm. And there were six reasons he summarized. Three of those reasons have to do with apologetics. Mm. One of them was because church is not a safe place for people to express their doubts. Um, another thing is the, uh, the Bible con, uh, conflicts with science. And another one was that uh, they couldn't believe that Jesus is the only way to God, the exclusivity claim of Christ. Um, those are all things that apologetics deals with. Yeah. We need to create safe places in our student ministries, in our homes, in our Christian schools, in our, in our small groups, safe places where people are free to express their doubts. Mm-hmm that they're not shamed, that it's okay to have questions. I mean, John the Baptist gets locked up in prison. Now he's got questions. Now he's got doubts. Go ask Jesus, is he the one or not? Mm -hmm. So if, my goodness, if John the Baptist, who once pointed to Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and and who once pointed to Jesus and said, I have seen and I testify, this is the Son of God. If he has some questions or doubts, it's It's understandable. It's okay for an eighth grader. It's okay for an eighth grader. And you know what? 
um, create that safe place. Let them express their, um, and you know, let's not be too quick to give answers. I think we can be too quick. Um, I'll give you an example. Sometimes when I'm dealing with someone trying to share my faith, I'll, I'll ask them this question. If you could ask God any one question and you knew he'd give you an answer right now, what would you ask? Um, and 80% of the time, it's some permutation of the pain and suffering issue. Why would a loving God allow pain and suffering? But I don't answer the question. They ask the question, instead of giving them a five-point sermon on why God allows suffering, which I could do, I'm a pastor, I've done that message, I ask a follow-up question. And the follow-up question is, wow, of all the possible questions in the universe, why did you ask that one? Hmm. Now they get to the emotional side. Because my father just divorced my mother, and I want to know where was God when yeah. that happened. Yeah. Or, you know, some painful experience that they've gone through. Now we can connect on the real human personal level and discuss that, and I can put my arm around them and, and cry with them yeah. and, and, and be Jesus to them. That's what people need. Yeah. And sometimes I think we, apologetics, I think as wonderful as it is, we, we short-circuit the process and we jump in with an answer. Oh, I'll tell you five reasons why. Mm -hmm. They don't want that. There's something driving the question. I want to get to what's driving the question and minister at that level. Well, and love is yeah. an apologetic. It is. I mean, that's what worked ultimately with you. Love is in the authentic apologetic, yeah. it, it, the ultimate apologetic. It, is. it really and, is. You know, one of the things when we train teens how to share their faith, we... We train them to what we call ask, admire, admit. So mm. ask a ton of questions. Yeah. Find out where they're at spiritually. Admire what you can yeah. about what they believe. Sure. And then admit the reason you're a Christian is you're so messed up. You needed Jesus to save you. Yeah, right. And then you can tell your story. And then what what we find happens is real conversations yes. begin to happen. Exactly. And then out of that, you know, you either if you just start with the apologetics, sometimes it's playing tic-tac-toe yes you just you know it's a scratch you know you just yeah that's nobody right wins that's right that's right was a cat game, right yeah I, exactly you're so right and that's why i think modern apologetics uh, we ask more questions to give answers mm -hmm. we do more listening than talking we create a safe place for questions we validate people as matter to god and so forth and you know what it's interesting you know if you ask an apologist well, what's your favorite verse nine times out of ten it's a it's um First uh, Peter three fifteen. Always yeah. be prepared to give an yeah. answer to anyone who asks to give you the reason for the hope that you have. But then they end there, yeah. and they don't say the next part. But do it with gentleness and respect. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about emphasizing that. And you know what's interesting? If you look at the context of First Peter, mm -hmm. it's about suffering. Yeah, and it that's really true. is the reason for the hope. Is how are you enduring such joy? You have so much joy in the midst of in the so midst much suffering. suffering. Yeah, and that's where the conversation's going. I think it's a really a life that just spills over Jesus. Yeah, in the yeah. midst of good times and bad. Yeah. Um, Lee, thank you so much. Sure, this has been great. I always love talking to you, Oh, Greg. it's so great. You're one of my heroes in the faith, and uh, I just appreciate the way that you demonstrate the love of Christ everywhere you go, on stage, off stage, and you, you not only have the answers that you can, you can give, but you are living out that answer wow. in the way you love people. We, I call it the unexpected adventure. You never know what's going to happen. That's the joy of the Christian life, you know, that God may open a door to have a spiritual conversation and... And uh, you were, you know, you were not anticipating it. Amen. And, and who, look what he does. So great. <laughs> Thanks again, Lee. Sure thing.